Our journey began on June 14th as 32 teams started the tournament to try to claim the biggest prize in all of soccer, and now we're down to just two after the semifinals. Eric O'Cantor, I mean McConnell, American Soccer Show, we're back. And I feel like we've learned a lot since the last time we were here. We learned what Croatia was really made of. England are who we thought they were, and Croatia did not let them off the hook. You know, Belgium are who we thought they were. France are better than perhaps anybody thought they were. And here we are. Yeah, I, I mean, um, I think this is almost like one of the returns to normalcy so far of the tournament. Um, and the only real consistency, I think, from this set of games to what we've seen in the past was Croatia going another 120 <laughs> minutes and grinding out a victory. Croatia in 120 minutes, name a better duo. England and not England and losing not, to small losing. nations. Name a better duo. Yeah, no, it, it has been like you said, kind of a return to normalcy in that sense. Even though, honestly, I don't, I don't know anybody that had Croatia in the final, and I certainly don't think that there were too many that would have, you know, gone all out and said that Croatia would be in this position now. But uh, that's the reality that we're in now. Well, we said in the beginning this is a, a well, you know, put out Croatia side, very talented. It's got the pieces, but they've never before put it together, and for us. The problem was always, are they going to be able to do it? Right. I, that that yeah. was my biggest criticism. Coming They've never done it before. Or can they do it now? You, you can go back and listen to me tell you that eh, i, I got to see it to believe it. Well, I've seen it. I believe it now. And I was clearly wrong, as were many others. Uh, and I think now it's they become the darlings of the tournament. I'm seeing things on the internet pop up about, like, Luka Modric was told he was too small to play. And now he's <laughs> in the World Cup final. It's like... Yeah, come on. The guy's a like a champions leader with Real Madrid, one of their best players. Like, yeah, Luka Modric. You know, for all the talk that will come out, I'm sure in the next, especially if Croatia win, there will be talk of you know Ballon d'Or for Luka Modric. There will be talk of uh, you know, I'm assuming a pay raise at Real Madrid. Right? There will be finally perhaps more recognition. Luka Modric is one of those players that you know we talk about Ronaldo missing time to injury, Bale, Benzema, all of them. It's really Modric when he misses time. That's when you see Real Madrid kind of lose their identity a little bit. He's he's such an important player. He, he makes everyone around him better, and that's like one of those things that kind of goes unnoticed. And uh, so often, um, Kroos, good player. I don't want to take anything away from him, but he's 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 nothing without Modric. He came to Real Madrid without having a real position, without really people like, oh, he's not a defensive mid, he's not an attacking mid. He, he's turned into a great center midfielder when he has the pieces around him. And I think Casemiro is another one there having a defensive mid. So Croatia, I mean, Mandzukic, a guy who kind of was taken away from his natural position of striker. And uh, Massimiliano Allegra Juventus said, all right, right, you're going to play left wing back now because we don't have faith is in that, him. Is that your favorite, like, uh, storyline of the season, Mandzukic moving to left wing back? It's funny, though, it right? It comes up a lot. But, like, that's, that kind of shows you the, the mindset some of these players have. Right. Um, you know, I, I you know, I've been surprised by Rebic. I think he's been very exciting, quick, uh, good striker of the ball. So, uh, I mean, they have a huge mountain to climb, though. We so. do, and so well, they do. I, I said we. <laughs> it is not a we thing. Uh, yeah. So we want to start with their opponents, though. France, who did defeat Belgium in what I have to imagine would have been the under if you were betting on the amount of goals scored in this game, it was one nothing, and the header by Samuel and Titi of and of all. Of all people to beat for the header, it's Fellaini. He just cuts. A, he just gets across him. It's incredible. Well, uh, now we're on Fellaini, beating on a header at a set piece to lose at the World Cup. I mean, that's that's great. That's that's the stuff dreams are made of, right there. And when it comes down to it, this is also you know France get the lead, but the big thing for them is 
they defend it. They got to defend for about 40 minutes. And I don't think that defense ever really looked like they were going to get broken down. That Haz- Hazard been... put a lot of... If Hazard wasn't going to do it, you're wondering, can anyone do it? Because no, he, he was electric, and it, even he struggled. He was the best player on Belgium, and it wasn't even all that close. But I, I wanted to start with France for a couple of reasons. Because, number one, the beginning of the game, I don't know how many people will now remember, but it was kind of a barrage by Belgium early on. It had a couple big saves by Lloris, who, you know, for all intents and purposes, when we talked about the best keepers in this tournament coming in, I think that you and I didn't even begin to mention Hugo Lloris. You, know, you talked about the likes of Thibaut Courtois. You'd even probably start going to like the Allisons of the world before you got to Lloris. I, I, he's, he's done his job and then some in this tournament thus far. In a tournament where it has been very difficult to be a goalkeeper. He came up big for France early in the game. And you just have no idea if Belgium get on the board early how difficult it might have been for France to climb back out of it. So they owe a lot of this success in part to him having a good enough start to the game before France settled in. And once France settled in, I think it's I think it's gotten to the point now where I can officially say if France is settled in and they're keyed in, it's it's almost impossible to beat them. They have too many talented players in too many positions that are that, that it's hard to match up with them. I mean, you just look at you know positions by position on the field, they're overwhelming. The quality is just overwhelming on the team. The, the the least known player, like Benjamin Pavard, probably, at least according to rumors, now he's heading to Bayern Munich next year. And he has been absolutely phenomenal for them for most of this tournament. So that that's the kind of team that you're going up against in France, where the, less, the least known player is that guy now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the, like across the board, I think the biggest question mark would pro- was probably Pavard going into it, and he's been lights out so to speak so um it's it's such an evenly uh balanced france team and that's something we didn't see with belgium uh that's something that we didn't really i mean england was kind of evenly balanced but not as high quality so uh that's kind of what with argentina another team france has beaten uh uruguay it's it's just a french french team that is so even across the board and we look at tournaments in the past you know, a couple good players, one or two, can kind of carry you far, but it's been the best, the teams that are the most even across the board, which win it. And that's what we saw with Spain in 2010. They didn't really have a one-star player. That's what we saw in 2014 with Germany. Uh, and now with France, I mean, it's, people pick out Griezmann or Mbappe, but it's it's such, and you look at Conte, okay, and Pogba. I mean, there's, across the board, they're getting what they need out of their players. That's true, and it, it's going to be interesting. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the final in a little bit, but you want to talk about a midfield. Conte and Pogba have been eating chunks of space for dinner. In and Matuidi. Don't, don't forget Matuidi. I was, I was about to say, and that's not even including Blaise Matuidi, who's playing a little bit further up the field depending on the situation. But he's also eating up tons and tons of space out there. It's, it's just remarkable how well uh, Olivier Giroud, Olivier Giroud has been the subject of some interesting headlines, which would be, oh, he's a striker and he has no goals and he's got one shot on target, right? And then there's the other ones who have hard work and he's setting them up well, and he is. Don't get me wrong. I just find it so interesting that a player with one shot on target as a, really a number nine in this tournament is getting such high praise. Have we have we entered a, an alternate reality, or is it because – or had France been eliminated in, say, the quarterfinals, would we be sitting here talking – or would people be sitting there talking about, you know, you just didn't get enough out of Olivier Giroud? I mean, yeah, I think you probably would be hearing that. Uh, but they're not. They're here. So uh, if they do lose this this next game, then yeah, we'll probably hear it. But uh, they they've been 
he has done dirty work, but you do need to expect some goals out of your striker. Um, but that's the but that's the beauty of France, right? It's like oh, but he's got Griezmann behind him, who is technically a striker, all things considered. And you got Mbappe, who scores goals. You know, Paul Pogba chips in every now and again. I, you know, I think it's reasonable to say that at some the French team has gotten to the point where they have made it to where Olivier Giroud doesn't need to contribute goals, even though he is the number nine. His goal is to just basically be a focal point. And I think it's an underrated thing for a player because I mean, look at Germany, no focal point. And I, you know, Olivier Giroud's a better player than Timo Werner, but they had if they had a big body who was, you know, maybe not as good, it might have helped. But let's even go, that focal let's point. go back even further. 2010. Did Spain really have a focal striker? Not really. Germany in 2014 didn't really have that player either. It was kind of just the players around them helping out. Good sign for France, I think. Looking back at those tournaments, they they didn't really have that striker who was carrying the team bag in the goals for them. So. Um, yeah, it's. It, is it? A, I don't think it's totally a problem, given I don't that it's a problem at all. I, I think he's, he's working he's, to perfection. He's done a lot of good work on and off the ball. So, uh, if they did get knocked out, say to like Argentina, yeah, you might say, yeah, you need goals out of him. Say Argentina held on to that two one or whatever, you would say, yeah, he you need more goals out of him. You need he's got he's got to do something. But you mentioned Mbappe and Griezmann, who are essentially two strikers themselves. Yeah. They offer that help, so he doesn't have to have that kind of burden. Yeah, that's true. They they do they do what they can. It works perfectly for them. It's been a great game plan so far, and we had a lot of doubts coming in about whether Didier Deschamps was going to be able to line his players up correctly. And I'll tell you what, I I think that before the tournament started, and I even made a comment when Argentina and France were lined up with each other, I said, oh, it's two teams with managers that have been questionable, to say the least. I think Didier Deschamps, if nothing else, has earned uh, a bit of respect because whether or not we want to figure it out, a winning formula for this French team, like, and that deserves some credit because as Mbappe, Pogba, and you know sometimes they even have another attacking player like Lamar or Dembele on the field with Giroud. It's more difficult, I think, than sometimes we give it credit for. And to gel at the international stage, especially when they're the bank. By the way, if France win this tournament, I think you'd say. Yeah, I mean, I th- so that that seems to be the, cons- <laughs> the consensus on where we see France. Uh, the other side. Belgium's, you know, it, it keeps getting called the golden generation, and it, it is. It's it's going to be a period of time. You know, Dries Mertens comes off the bench. He kind of he he brings a little more spark. But honestly, he was really the only guy out De, there. De Bruyne doing wasn't it. very good. You expect more from him. It, it's one of the most common criticisms of Romelu Lukaku. Didn't show up in the big game again. I I just I, I know it's difficult, but like and and here's the thing too. It was an interesting it was an interesting idea. At the start of the game, because you know they lost Mounier, who I thought was a pretty big loss for them, right? And I was, I was, I wasn't sure what they were going to do. They moved, they ended up moving Chadley to right back after he'd played left back. And he did a pretty decent job. Vertonghen ends up starting at left back, and then Musa Dembele basically comes in to replace him in the starting eleven. So now they played a midfield of, I mean, the likes of Musa Dembele, Weitzel, and then Maron Fellaini. And I, I got to tell you, it was. It was really, really hard to watch Fellaini consistently getting up the field, not doing anything with the ball because he's just—that's just who he is. I, I it worked against Brazil, bringing him in and having him be the you know the focal point or whatever, and you know, the headers and the the strong tackles. But for, oh my goodness, for this one, it was a disaster. He's he's got to have for to be even partially effective enough space and put one on one that he can kind of just lay it off, get the ball and just. Give it to the next guy. 
But what, what was astounding for me was that this guy was playing as the focal point in a, in a midfield diamond, where essentially De Bruyne was sliding in on the right, uh, Dembele or uh, Witzel was behind, and the other one was on the left, and Fellaini at that point. Uh, I like that setup, but I, like it was baffling to me that that was what they because how many times were they do they need that f- top of the diamond to be there for them and Fellaini was nowhere to be found. Sometimes he was on the wing, useless out there. It's, it's he's absolutely useless. It's absolutely out there. phenomenal, and that's the other thing too is that one of the things that Belgium failed to do they they there's no width in this team when you when they played like this. There was no with all the attack was trying to come from the midfield portion of the game. Eden Hazard was the only one going anywhere wide, and that and, you know he was allowed that space on the left, so it worked out in that sense. But then on the right hand side, I mean, remember what we talked about in the last game where De Bruyne basically played as a false nine and Lukaku filled that space on the right. That didn't happen here. There was nobody tried to fill that space on the right hand side. You had Chadley playing as right as a right back, who you know and again he's gonna have to basically turn over in his foot every single time you want him. And, and then you have, you know, De Bruyne, who, you know, is not really a roamer into space. He needs the ball to be helped. They got completely decimated. You're going up against one of the best midfields in the world, and that's how you decide to go. I mean, again, I, li- I liked how they set up. I thought that and they, they actually had a pretty good look in the wide spaces. The problem was the personnel and how they decided to do it. They, they put a four-man midfield in saying, okay, we're going to overpower. We're just going to outnumber Conte, Pogba, and Matuidi when he pulls in. But... When you have Fellaini Witzel doing that, it's just it's just not going to work out. Uh, they're just not technical enough players in tight spaces. De Bruyne is, but he didn't get any help. De Bruyne could have been perfect in that role if he had a point man. If you if you had someone who you could put Mertens, a guy who'd been playing as a a false nine for Napoli for the entire year, would have been absolutely perfect there. But uh, Martinez stuck with Fellaini, thinking, okay, we can launch it up to his head via an outlet. It it I I, I thought that that was just the biggest mistake he made. He could have. Put Lukaku there, even. I was, we, we Keep Fellaini as number the, nine. We talked about it after the game. We were walking home, and you could have just played Fellaini there. Yeah, it's true. Fellaini at, at the point there, not ideal, probably would have worked better. Because you do need someone at the, who, who's at the top of that diamond who's going to be able to hold up the ball and get it to the other midfielders. Uh, the, the other problem is the kind of lack of movement from guys like uh, Dem, uh, Dembele and Witzel once they make a pass. De Bruyne is so good at when he plays it into that space, into that forward... He runs off of it and gets into the space and gets the next ball. Dembele, listen, he's good on the ball, but he's not the kind of guy who's going to be making that overlapping run, getting it again. Same thing with Witzel. So it it could have worked for them. I if they'd practiced it, they'd set it up more. It just seemed like they there were too many too much tinkering from Roberto Martinez. I think I think it finally caught up with them. And then you know towards the end of the game, I mean, the other thing we mentioned was okay. So you know, there's a situation where Yannick Carrasco was coming on, and I'm like, okay, well that's that's not good. That's that's not just as a last effort. You know, Dries Mertens about the most creative player they had. And again, he came on far. As much as we're hating on Fellaini, you need that guy in the box. <laughs> Once you take out Fellaini, Lukaku's the only guy who has any chance of decision-making. But he, um, you know. It is uh, what it is. I mean, it, you know, it was a, you know how, how much can you expect Fellaini to be a force in the midfield for you? They were lucky it happened against Brazil. He was just bigger than the Brazilians. That was a pretty small midfield, all things considered, between Fernandinho and uh, Coutinho and Paulinho. Oh, oh, oh. So. Oh, no. That was the Brazilian saying there. Uh, the Brazilian midfield. Oh, no. I mean, he, they just had no space. It was, you know, credit to France for kind of closing that out. Yeah. And I mean, that it's going to be tough. I mean, I'm just I'm looking up and down this lineup, uh, you know, like, a, like I've been doing for basically every team. Like, okay, where... 
what what's this going to be in four years? Lukaku will be there. You would think it'll be 29. So you know, right at the tail end of you would think his uh, his prime years, depending on you know, he's a physical guy, so that can go either way. Sometimes those guys last a while. Sometimes they don't because the, you know the wear. De Bruyne is 27. His style, I don't I don't imagine will evaporate. You know, he's not not he's not a guy that rise on pace too much. He's a very technical player, so you would think that'll last into his 30s. You know, Fellaini, you would you would hope you wouldn't have to rely on anymore. Hazard will be uh, just at the tail end of his prime at 31 years old. Uh, you know, Moussa Dembele has an absolute disappointment that he was. I, I would think most Belgian fans would probably say that it's unfortunate that he never really found his place in the team because four years from now he's he's probably not going to be he's going to be 34. So I don't see him fitting into the picture. Uh, you know, Weitzel, same deal. He's 29. That could go either way. He's not. You know, I don't. I don't know that his style necessarily is one that's going to deteriorate with time, but it's also not one that I, you know, I'm looking to like keep into the squad no matter what. Alder Wild and Vincent Company as center backs. Uh, company, I wouldn't think you want back. As he'll be 36 at the time of the next World Cup, and then Alder Wild is 29, 33, easily could still be at the next World Cup. Uh, Vertonghen, 31, probably not. Maybe. I mean, I, with center backs, they do kind of last a little bit longer. 35 is kind of pushing it. I would say if you're looking at anyone who's 32 and younger, you should fully expect them to still be playing at their top level, barring any, you know, kind of loss of interest in like a Wayne Rooney where he kind of just <laughs> lost his... It, and it wasn't because Wayne was reliant, totally reliant on his physical ability. He just kind of stopped putting in the effort to keep at the top level. Dries Mertens is going to be 35. I wouldn't think that you... Dries will be out. Company will be out. Witzel and Fellaini will be out. Dembele will probably be out. But you'll still have Hazard. You'll still have De Bruyne. You'll still have Lukaku. Uh, you might have the other Hazard brothers. Yeah, well, the... Kylian. Uh, Kylian's uh, the youngest one. Uh, Thorgan. Thorgan will be 29, so he'll be in the prime of his career. Yannick Carrasco will also be only 29, but Carrasco's going to depend on what he wants to do uh, next because I, I, I think he won't be in China when he's 29, so... That'll be interesting. Batshuayi, uh, he'll be around as well. He'll only be 28. It's that's that kind of thing. But the other thing too is, and I'm not as familiar with the, uh, you know, the Belgian team uh, past like their star players. Maybe I should be, but you know, that is going to be interesting to see sort of who else comes in because they're going to need some guys to kind of start filling in for the old guard here. Well, they still do have Tielemans, uh, who's a pretty decent midfielder for Monaco. Um... I think they'll have the pieces. I, I, I wouldn't think that this is, team is going to be any significantly weaker in four years. Players are bound to pop up. They're not losing that many, all things considered. We're not looking at like a like Chile, for example, their golden Chile. generation, which didn't make it. They're all 29 or 30. They're, they're, not, they're very – maybe one or two of them will become backward defenders. So it's not like that. Um, they, they should have plenty of ability. I would imagine even Alderweireld, even Vertonghen will be back. That'll probably be their center back pairing. Uh, Dedrick Boyata will be back, so I'm not too worried about this Belgium team moving forward. This is it kind of worked out in how they kind of got three. They're gonna, probably going to get three World Cups of having their best players. The biggest loss will be Company, who's such a big leader for this team. That other than that, I think that the losses were pretty manageable. Fellaini, Witzel, like <laughs> be careful what you say about Fellaini. Yeah, well, well, we will see. And again, they also I would think most of the, everybody I just mentioned though. They do. They will have, I think, one more shot with everybody still at te- top physical shape for the most part. Other than company, who may in two years, that you know, he's already kind of breaking he's down. Too, he's had too many injuries. There's, so, there's no way he's so, sticking around. So two more years from now, at the European Championships, they will have, I think, at least one more shot at a trophy with everybody still kind of around. With this current of, team, yeah, outside of company, who may or may not be there, but yeah, I'd, good a chance as any in that tournament. And then we move on to the other semifinal. It was Croatia to. 
with a 2-1 win over England, and they, they're just making believers out of just about everybody at this point. It's, it's been remarkable. What they... Yeah, and I, I do think England kind of didn't give them enough credit. This is an England team that uh, didn't Columbia attack without James, which is which is what they are pretty much without James. They're they're really they not. Were, they were. They're they're a, they're a really good team with James. They're an average team without him. Uh, so they almost lost to to that team. And then it was a penalty shootout and uh, a bad miss for eBay, which really was what puts them through. With all with all due respect, they should have lost that shootout. I think. Uh, and then it's a win over a Sweden team, which I've given a lot of credit for. And all things considered. Any serious team making a run this tournament would have expected to win that game. If, if you were seriously making a run at the final. Sweden's done great. I, I, I love the way they play. I know people have hated it in that game. And they finally go up against, I would say, their biggest challenge yet. And they lose. They get the lead. But I'm going to say it again anyway. I mean, if not now, when? I mean, this this couldn't have lined up better for England. And they could have hoped that Russia would have won. Like, But, I, I mean, there's no guarantees in that either. You would be playing a Russian team at home. And it comes down to this for me. It, it comes down to the fact that Croatia, they have they have this in regular time. To me, that's amazing. You have these players that have played 240 minutes in the last two games, and now they're getting any more tired. They just they kept going. I, I, I don't know who to give that to. Like I don't know who, who should I be crediting with that, but whoever, whoever I need to give credit to for that is amazing. Their conditioning is phenomenal. They played a whole extra game more than France at this point. So... I mean, and all, and we all thought their lives would be falling off at this point. Come on. And in all in stressful environments, this isn't like, you know, they, they haven't had a single extra time game where anything has been like remotely comfortable. The Denmark game wasn't, you know, it wasn't all that intense, but there were moments where it looked like Denmark was finally going to take it. And then against uh, against England here, the same kind of deal, you know, they England kind of took them out for a little while and then eventually Croatia get the goal and England spent the rest of the extra time trying to attack them. And same thing against Russia. They score an extra time, and then they get scored on an extra time. It's, it hasn't been easy. These, these have been very stressful minutes, too. So, again, my credit goes out to them. There's a lot of hard workers on this team. I, honestly, it wouldn't shock me if, if, regardless of what happens here, like we may not see Rakitic and Modric for a little while for Real Madrid and Barcelona. They might set out the they, opener. They might they're have gonna, to, I, would, I would assume at least the preseason tournaments the they're opener, say, I, I, take I would off. tell you straight up right now, I, don't, I wouldn't expect Luka Modric for the, the Super Cup against Atletico Madrid. I think, that, I think that's gone now, for sure. Well, so listen, they had the, uh, the uh, International Champions Cup, very prestigious competition. <laughs> I, would, I would think both of those guys are going to get that entire tournament off. They, they won't they're going to be with the team, but they're not going to play. I'm t- I, honestly, I wouldn't even expect them with the team anymore. Maybe it's a tail end or something. Right now, they if they would absolutely deserve like three weeks vacation. Uh, most of these guys, I'm gonna assume, yeah, they're gonna give them a solid break going into August. Yeah, so that's so that's an interesting thing to kind of look out for in the future. But again, they've they've played so well, and they've they've given everything they possibly could for this cause. And so, uh, you know, interesting. Sima Versaligo, who um, who we didn't think was gonna be able to play in this game, turned out he was uh, good enough to go. I, I'm guessing he's still probably banged up, though. I'm, I'm guessing he's probably really banged up. And but it, you know, since they've qualified for the final, I guess we'll also see him out there on Sunday. I, I just I think that I think it's gonna you know a lot of people are gonna you know mention this, but that, that midfield is just it's it's on another level. The likes of Rakitic, Modric, and Brozovic, who Brozovic, who has kind of you know come into his own a little bit in these last few games, we've seen how many you know good tackles he's able to put in, kind of playing just slightly behind. The midfield line at times, and then you know even Perisic on the wing, even Rebic on the other side, not on the wing, but you know the wider midfield roles. It's it's they've been great, and they they really they control the style. For me, it's one of those things that I I don't know that they've faced 
midfields Croatia is that while they've have, they've dominated the midfield in ways that are just mind-boggling at this point, you want to take a look back. I mean, we have England. It's fine. They're I was, talented players. I was really impressed by Lingard. Ali, I didn't think, have a, had a tremendous tournament. Russian midfield is, um, well, it's the Russian midfield. It's not made of any superstars. They're going to hassle and Harry. Superstars in that one either. So Eriksson's not exactly dropping in deep and helping out that much either. So go back to the group stage. You no, know, without Benega? Exactly. Without Benega at the time. Uh, what are the other games? Nigeria, definitely not known for their midfield. And Iceland. And Iceland, who just, you know, they compact and they... And Nigeria and Iceland played them pretty well, but it was also a B team. So you get the idea, right? The midfield has been unquestionably the best one so far. But I worry now for them finally going up against the France who, you know, let's face it, Paul Pogba and Golo Kante, you assume Blaise Matuidi will probably be in the starting lineup. Yeah. Even if it's not, if it's Colton Toliso, who's pretty good in his own right, uh, maybe they go for Nzanzi. It's going to be. Those, I, are, those are very quality. It's, they're going to go with what worked. It's going to be. I, I can't. So. I, have to, I can't imagine it would be anything. You would but. think so, but he, I'm just. I'm pointing out that like even if it's not, it's still going to be another really talented player who they'll be going up against in that midfield. And I. It's a good French team. Is that is the point we're putting here? And but the thing is that it is going to be such a. I. I think it's going to be tough for that Croatian midfield. But we do look at players that like Modric and Rakitic. They're used to playing top midfields. They play at Real Madrid and Barcelona. Brozovic plays in uh, for Inter Milan, Serie A. He's used. They're used to playing pretty good midfields. I mean, Brozovic maybe not as much. I mean, there is Juventus, but um, so uh, I, I would like to point out that with that Inter Milan uh, Brozovic pick, you'd have to imagine that if Mateo Kovacic had decided to stay at Inter a little bit longer, maybe not make that Real Madrid move where he was going to be a backup all this time, he maybe be starting in this tournament. Yeah, it's possible. He, he's been such a highly touted talent. He's such a talented midfield player. Rosevich more a little bit hardworking, but you know still has some talent. Um, you do have Milan Bedell. You do have Mateo Kovacic who can come in and support these guys if they. Yeah, maybe you just need more midfielders. I mean, it's pretty crazy, right? Modric was the last sub in that game, and it was he was just basically running around on nothing but his own adrenaline and willpower to do so. <laughs> you want to you want to talk about somebody? Let's talk about uh, how Kalinic must be feeling right now. Yeah, uh, I've been seeing this thing going around where everyone's just like, oh, don't be like Nikola Kalinic. He didn't want to come on, and now Croatia's in the World Cup final. load of nonsense. Listen, the guy's got attitude problems. Clearly. But the fact that everyone's overlooking that he had a back problem, which is something that if you don't take care of, will be with you for the rest of your life. I mean, yeah, he, he should have done something about it. It, it. There's definitely been issues there, but got to feel that guy is be rooting for... France more than anyone. <laughs> you would need, I think they did an entire article on him, like the only man in Croatia rooting for France. Yeah, which is kind of hilarious. But yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's how this all has happened, right? You know, Croatia in the final going up against a France team that is you know one of one of the favorites coming in, no doubt about it. So it's going to be interesting. Jumping to the other side before we talk about the final, England. It, we. I hate to belabor some points here, but like Raheem Sterling, I remember how we talked about Giroud and we mentioned the, you know, just 15 minutes ago, basically that, oh yeah, well, you know, the Giroud thing. Yeah. He's, he's the focal point though. And yeah, he's not scoring goals, but he's, he's being good hold up plays. He's been doing all this. Raheem Sterling has been getting kind of the same treatment, you know, cause he hasn't done a whole lot in the last third of the field. He's been making a lot of dangerous runs and he's been getting real close, but he's not. They were getting by some of these games with the skin of their teeth. You know, Harry Kane, as talented as he is, can only score. It's it's gotten to the point where I just I, I couldn't. I don't think I could have justified starting. Who wasn't that great in that last he wasn't, of the game either? He wasn't Vardy, who is 
kind of non-existent. Also, um, I I thought Sterling was good. I just, no. he couldn't finish. He just wasn't good enough for me. He he's he's lively. He gets into good positions. Where's his support? His support definitely wasn't existent either in this game, especially. We talked, Harry Kane's dropping into the midfield. Croatia was choking the life out of the midfield to the point where we mentioned Harry Kane had to go get the ball. Harry Kane is dropping in the midfield. Lingard was playing deeper than ever, and Deli Ali was basically non-existent. I will why, give, wouldn't, why wouldn't you take out Deli Ali? I will give I will give Sterling I will give Sterling this. I feel as though he was pressed into a situation where there was very little to be won for him because the thing about playing the way England have in this tournament, uh, the way you want to look at it, it's basically a three-five-two, right? You can look at it as a three-one-four-two, whatever. The point is, in those kinds of formations, one of the biggest issues can be getting with. In your attack because I've seen it with Chelsea enough times that if the wingbacks aren't giving you that whiff it is very difficult to produce attacking uh, plays because the midfield oftentimes can get overrun and Raheem Sterling for all intents and purposes kind of was trying to create some of that with and one guy trying to create with when you know, he's got young playing behind him who I gotta tell you also another player that kind of surprised me that they couldn't get another left back that could do the job just a little bit more I, I don't know I, that's Danny Rose plays on the left, right? Yeah, I would have. I think I would have preferred to see Danny Rose too. He came on. He came on. He came on the last two games. Um, I th- I think there's a little bit of. Uh, I think England deserves some credit. They did take a one nothing lead. They become a little defensive. They try to absorb for too long. Uh, they they concede that goal uh, eventually. And uh, listen, they weren't good enough defensively. I'm wondering if they could have had. A little bit more help in the midfield. You're picking out Sterling. You're picking out. I, I do think Young is more of a didn't really have his best game. But Deli Alley he scores one goal in the storm. It's like a, just kind of poaching at the back post. Where where was his product in the end? The thing where is, was Harry Kane's product? It, it, it's a little unfair, to, I think, to pick. I, I will I will give you this. I don't think I think that Sterling is taking a little too many. But I, I think it's some of it is justified in the sense there's behind you. Everyone knew coming in, right? Jesse Lingard. He's a hard worker, and that's that's kind of all he is. He's a very he's a fine player. Don't get let's not let's not get that twisted. He's a fine player, but it's all he really is, right? You know, he's he's gonna make runs up and down the field. He's very good and in both ends of the field, creating or defending. You need that kind of player, especially kind of in a midfield three that they're trying to do. But then you know, do you have Jordan Henderson behind him? Who's he's just Jordan Henderson. He's like the most average player on England. He's yeah, he's a he's savage. He's a motivational player. We but we all knew that coming in. So I I think that. You have to place at somewhat to what you have. I mean, in terms of midfield options, I, I, how many more were there? You, Eric Dyer? Uh, I, don't, I don't know about that one. I wanted to see some more Loftus cheek, but that I mean, he's also like 19, so I I can kind of understand why you wouldn't just throw. Oh, 22. Excuse me. Uh, I don't. I also can understand not wanting to thrust him in there. I mean, at 22, I mean, not too, not too ridiculous to think that he should be kind of getting into uh, getting into it. But I also just named both their midfield options, basically. Yeah. Um, that's true. The, Not unless you want to consider Danny Welbeck an option. Yeah, I love that Danny Welbeck fellow. Might still Fabian play. Fabian Delph can play there. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I, I get that. The, the thing is, if they, they do have options, maybe maybe change the shape. I, I do think Dyer next to Henderson could have been uh, useful in protecting that defense and maybe keeping the ball a little bit, letting Lingard get more freedom to roam. Because as it was, Ali Ali was just kind of sitting up top while Lingard kind of had to track back a bit more. So there, there's a lot of things you can do to support the team. They got the lead, and I think they just kind of lost the narrative after that. I mean, I, I liked the formation when I, saw, when I saw it before the World Cup. I thought it was getting the best out of a lot of the players. Raheem Sterling, I, 
I will say, I think that position suits him in the sense that, you know, giving him freedom to move around the field and kind of find the space and, you know, make his own width is fine. But when it's not working behind him, it kind of makes him, it makes him look bad when he's the only one that's kind of making those runs. And then he's either not getting the ball, which makes us criticize him for not being active enough in the game, or he's getting the ball and he's not the best finisher in the world. And so, you know, he, he's had, I don't know how many chances he's had in this tournament. has been that many. And unfortunately for him, he didn't score any of them. Yeah, um, that, and that's that. That's an unfortunate reality of playing up top. Is that if you if you don't if you're your person doesn't get a lot of opportunities and your finishing's not as best, it really shows. And if, um, it, I mean, if if England goes through here, I don't think we give them the same. I mean, you did in the last time, and I think that one was unfair. Uh, but I don't think he gets as much criticism. Um, I mean, yeah, I, bring it back to Giroud. If Giroud hasn't been scoring a lot of goals. He's been working hard. So if he's not going to get the criticism, I don't think Sterling deserves it as well. Especially because I think Sterling has actually been more likely, looking more likely to score, opening up the team more than Giroud has. Fair. Personally, I mean, it's just from his movement. Giroud's kind of more of an occupy space kind of guy, close down the forwards. Sterling is getting behind. He's getting out into the wings. He's creating 1v1 opportunities. Speaking of my uh, Rashford obsession... Getting him in there. Did you see the clip of them trying to kick off at uh, right after the Croatia goal? Why does nobody get this? I, How does nobody understand that the, all the players have to be in their own half before the ball is kicked off? Suddenly there's this myth going around that, oh, if people are in the field of play, you can kick off. Nonsense. I, yeah. I, Panama I tries to do it. England, then England's like, oh, maybe we should try to do it. Panama didn't work against us. The best part about this is it's Lingard. Rashford and somebody else was there too. They they make a pass offside, by the way, so this would never have counted anyway. But they, the look on their face, they look like, oh, we're gonna get away with this. We're getting away with highway robbery here. You gotta be kidding me! I mean, it's I I, I can I can sympathize in the sense that this is you know the, all their life's work basically for especially for the likes of Rashford, right? He's so young. His entire life's work has basically just fallen apart in front of him. I can I can sympathize a little bit with that. But really, kicking off when the other team's celebrating? I mean, come on. That that you know better than that. I don't. I don't care what the situation is. You know better. It's not in the it, rules. It makes you look bad, and it, to me, it makes them look bad. It's just. It's such a bad look for a team, especially when there were so many comments coming from English fans talking about Panama and how bush league it was for them to do it. It's just. Yeah, I mean that, that's the funniest thing is that. Panama does it, and everyone's up in arms, and then England does it. They are up in arms again, but... What's that, uh, What's that like, it's the Joker thing? He's like, oh, Panama, uh, England does it, and no one bats an eye. Panama do, does it. it. Yeah, and, makes, and everyone goes crazy. Yeah, yeah, but people did say, England, what are you doing? Come on. There was kind of that little bit of like, oh, this is ridiculous. It's still a bit silly. It is. That's just... You, you can't. It's As, as plain as it is, it, it's, 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 bad, it's silly. It's a bad look for them, and uh, we'll see. I mean, look, the most of the core is coming back. That the good if there is good news here, it's that you would think most of the core is coming back. Ashley Young might be one of the only guys. Who and I don't return. think you uh, you're not missing that. I, I a healthy Danny Rose there, yeah, you'll, you'll take four that years is plenty of time for another player to come in, especially at that position that may not exist. Who knows how Gareth Southgate will choose to? Line no one up. thought that Kieran Trippier, League One player, would be where he is now. Exactly, right? he was one of the better players in this entire tournament for them. Unfortunately for him to get injured right at the very end, and they basically had to play with ten. That. That was an unfortunate uh, kind of side effect, which is, again, kind of interesting, right? England themselves having played the extra time against Colombia. Hey, I told you what they should have done. Just make him a pylon. Stand him <laughs> out there say, hey, don't move. Oh, my God. Just be a pylon. Maybe stand yeah. in front of the goalie. Maybe try to shield him a little bit. Yeah. So we will uh, we will see for them again. Same deal, European Championships. I think they'll be 
I think they'd be in prime position to contend to lose for that. to Iceland again. Well, yeah, that's true. That, Here, that's... Here's my favorite thing: is we will not be getting just one, but two meaningless games between England and Belgium. That is hilarious. And you have to imagine that some of these guys, for in some of these situations, we are going to see some of the young kids getting a chance out there. I would be very some guys sp- like young. I think they're going to say, "Okay, we'll give you your last chance to play out there." Cahill. Kane, Kane will get a chance. Sure, Cahill right? will pl- probably play. Uh, Jamie Vardy will likely get a start because this will probably be his last World Cup. First and only. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, players like that. Same thing with Belgium. Company will probably be out there, but, you know, we may not be... Uh, who, who won't we see? I wouldn't think Hazard would play. Give Hazard a break. I think Hazard will probably sit. And I, Here's the thing. It's, it's a weird situation for me because I thought about it earlier, and I said, yeah, just sit Hazard, and then, you know, if it's close, 80, you know, 70th minute, send him out there, see if you can't win it. But, I mean... Are you really going? I mean, I guess you're not playing to lose, so you're playing to win. But I, I got to tell you, that would be a very hard sub for me to make, is to go and be like, yeah, come on. I know everyone's devastated that we've lost, but come on, guys. Like, I think it's the chance to let Thorgan start a game. So go to the other side, Thorgan Hazard getting a start. I think Batshuayi probably starts in front of Lukaku now. Uh, just, you know, again, some of those are younger guys. I'm not saying because of rest purposes or anything, but I mean, it's over. Like it's the time. It's time to get, like you said, an older guy who may not have gotten a chance to play, or this is it for him, like a Cahill and a company. No one really remembers that. What was it? The Netherlands beat uh, Brazil. Who? Brazil in, in that the, third in place the, game. In the third place a lot game. Of no one forget rem- about that. But the, the, Brazil lost their last two games in that World Cup, like a combined ten two or something. People forget that. Uh, you know, I think it was Uruguay beat. Uh, was it Argentina then in the uh, third place game in two thousand ten? I don't even remember. That right, one. like it, it doesn't mean it's, anything. It's just it's, it's, a, it's an unfortunate, like necessary, and I say necessary because it exists, and not because I think it needs to exist, but it could, it exists, so it's an unnes- it's a necessary evil for this tournament. Somebody's got to go play it, right? It's 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 not exactly like the Olympics, but they do have a first, second, and third. Yeah, it's situation. A, you get paid more, I guess. I mean, that's like uh, the I players guess that's don't incentive. care. The, pair, the the players are done. Like I, the only players that I would think have any motivation for this game is like a Thorgan Hazard who says I need to make a good impression. Trent Alexander Arnold. Yeah, Trent. That's a, that was a player I wanted to say for England. I think Trent. I, I think Trent Alexander Arnold deserves to go out there and play. Mark. I think Marcus Rashford might start. Rashford. Ra- honestly, Rashford and Vardy wouldn't surprise me. I, Harry Kane's a pretty young guy. He's twenty four years old. I think. Yeah, I think you. I think you let him sit. I think he's, you let Loftus Cheek get. It looks rich. like he's gotten the golden boot pretty much wrapped up at this point. Yeah, I think it's like two goals you need from Griezmann to catch him, just to tie him. So that would be pretty tough, I think. Maybe you play him just because to be, you to want be him fair. To, to be to fair, get a goal. There's that. Uh, somebody on Lukaku on Belgium could catch him too, if Lukaku plays. So he might play just for that reason. He's a captain. It's true. Yeah, he'll probably play because he's a captain. We might see a front no, three. No, well, guys. hang on. If if Cahill plays, I think they have to give him the captaincy. I know they already took it away from him, but that's I think that's absurd. I think Cahill should absolutely be the captain if after, he's playing. After Kane led this team to the semifinals, I don't think they... If he starts, they don't take it away from him. If he doesn't start, sure, give it to Cahill. Well, the, thing, the thing is, like Cahill didn't get the captaincy in that third game that he did play in against Belgium, and I thought that was, eh, was questionable. So, there you go. It might, it's, it'll probably happen It should again. be his send-off, I would think. Uh, I, there's already rumors out there that he's already gone to Southgate and said, all right, well... This is probably it for me. Can I play, please? And I'm, I can't. I see no reason, literally none whatsoever, why Cahill wouldn't play in this game. Maybe so. takes put stones to the bench. Stone, Kyle Walker. any of them, any of them. Like um, it's, Kyle Walker, maybe even he's 28 years old. So I don't think it'll be as last. It, it literally doesn't. If matter. he's ma- yeah, so like that's just kind of where things stand. Again, it's a meaningless third place game, unfortunately for both teams. Uh, the World Cup final between France and Croatia. Here we are. Yeah, and we're here. Can't so, wait for the 63rd tomorrow. Ugh, the cracker third place of a game. game. Yeah. So, yeah, the, this is going to be fun. Someone's going to win. 
Someone's going to be a world champion. Someone's going to be a world champion by the end of this weekend. So that is always exciting, unless you are a fan of the other team. Uh, I have to imagine that France comes into this thinking, we've done all the hard work up until now. We can't blow it again. There have been quotes coming out saying, like, we, we took Portugal too lightly. We right. thought we already had it in the bag. We're not going to do that again. Can't help but think some little bit of it's going to creep into their head and think, we should be able to do this pretty comfortably. You certainly would think that France, at this point now, there are there's no real excuses left. As much as as much credit as I want to give Croatia for playing so well and having their style, and th- there's not that you know you can't say anything. Oh, they sit back and they just they're just hitting on the counter. No, this is a team that goes and they're taking the game to you. So that all said, France for me, if they lose this final, will feel. Well, I honestly think that it may be a morale crusher for that generation because it's going to be really tough now, having lost the European Championship on your in your country, going to the World Cup final and losing that too. Oh, look what it did. God. Look what it did to Argentina. Now that's not necessarily a golden generation of players, but they lost three straight finals, and you can almost see it in their eyes. That they're like, oh, not again. Yeah, it's, it's so hard to get back. It would be it's so hard, deflating in a lot of ways. But it is a young team. It's a young team. You but have that, to imagine that could be more adverse. Almost every single one player, except for Giroud, will probably be back for the next World Cup. So if they do blow it, <laughs> jeez, blow it. If I mean again, if you, if you lose another final, it's it's hard to see it any other way. Uh, Matuidi they, might not be. Matuidi will be thirty-five. Matuidi will probably not be there. Yeah, it's true. Matuidi and Giroud. Um, if that happens, you look at. You would think they come back stronger. But they have to do it again. I know it's. You it's, have to go through the group stage again. You got to do all that not, stuff. It's again. not even just the group stage. It, the, one of the hardest thing over. I mean, because this 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 is a four year process. The, whatever yeah, way you want to look at, you have to qualify again. You have to get you have to get through the groups like you were talking. About. You have to get all the way back. It's it's hard. You got to struggle through games and get results in the knockout it's, stage. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think France has the edge in terms of how they've set up, what they have, but also is a Croatia defense which really hasn't been completely threatened. Same thing with the midfield. They haven't been outmatched in the midfield yet. The defense really hasn't been put too much pressure on. Now they have like some Mbappe and Griezmann coming at them. Could cause some problems. I'd be interested to see how Croatia approaches this game because Argentina should have been this game for them, but it really wasn't. It wasn't, and so the interesting way you want to kind of look at it is Croatia, you know, housed Argentina 3 nothing. France beat Argentina, but 4-3. This is Argentina, I think, that started figuring things out, to True. be fair. <laughs> uh, they, you know, they made it in the knockout stage. They they had it ready. This is Honestly, I can't see anything but this going to extra time. Without, with <laughs> well, what Croatia's done so far, it would just be so fit. As is tradition. Well, here's the thing. Uh, the last three World Cup finals have had no goals in regular time. So that's kind of where we are now. World Cup finals getting to this point. I don't know if I'm calling it a trend, but I'm, I mean that's that's where we are, right? I don't think it happens again. It's not a coincidence that that's no, kind of the not. way these. And you can go back and look at the finals, right? Germany and Brazil, not two teams we exactly you know identify with these you know defensive mentalities. Fact is, both teams, everybody's oh Germany, yeah Germany, Argentina. Neither of those teams I associate with defensive you know master. Nobody wants to be that guy. Spain, Netherlands, four years the, the Battle of Johannesburg. Two very attacking teams. Defensive. Against. Definitely more defensive, and then against then, uh, France, who so, were attacking. Yeah, I, I just think that they haven't seen a guys like Mbappe and Griezmann coming at them yet. Sterling's probably the closest thing. Uh, he almost broke through, so maybe a little bit more quality, and that's, that goes in. 
but Croatia has had the ability to kind of grind out a one-one to extra time wouldn't surprise me completely. Um, but if France gets that first goal, I think yeah, if France scores first, I think they're going to be in big trouble. Here's the other thing: it, it's it's a little cliche, but it is true. Croatia believe they believe that they can do this. There's no doubt in my mind after having watched them play three straight games at 120 minutes. They, this team absolutely believes they can beat anybody. And to a certain point, sometimes anything can happen in a final. We're at the point now where literally anything, anybody can beat anybody in a final. Because that's how these things are. If this gets to extra time, you'd have to be think that's such a boost for Croatia. Because the legs at that point, you're not feeling the legs then. You get to the extra time period, you're probably not feeling the legs anymore. They had the confidence. They were going to be like, oh, we've done this three times before. Do it once more. I have to imagine that'd be a tournament record. Uh, a fourth win in extra time. Or, I mean, you know, two in penalties, an extra time win, and then another extra time win or a penalty win Taking in the final. Taking past 90 minutes. Yeah, I, I would imagine that's a record. Um, I, I don't know that for a fact, but I would imagine that's a record. So, in that sense, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really excited for it because this is, these are really, two really good teams, all things considered. There was a worry, I guess, from, from me and from a lot of other people that when you saw that right side of the bracket, right, you thought, oh, Spain gets eliminated on penalties by Russia. You didn't really know who was going to come out of that right side, and you thought, "Oh man, what if the final? What if a team like Den? For, if Den- let's say Denmark were doing, let's say we were just reverse things, and Denmark found a way here. I don't know if I'd be saying such nice things about Denmark if Denmark had just kind of. We would say that that br- side of that br- uh, group with France and Denmark was the strongest. Yeah, that's true too. That's true. So like, but like we'd be saying, "Oh great, you know, here we go. Like France is going to go in there and probably take." Anyway, yeah, but yeah. it's been Spain. After Spain got knocked out, yeah, it's a situation that, we're looking at. We look, we say, been, okay, uh, if Sweden. You know, if Sweden gets there, I back them 100. percent You would have backed them, but you know, in your heart of hearts, that like uh, that might not end well. It, it it could get ugly. It could get ugly. I don't see I mean, this. Could I mean, in total clear, total fairness here. This could also get ugly. It could be that we're right, right? That Croatia finally just, you know, they give up that early goal, and then the legs just give out on them, and then at that point, they're getting get toyed by France because France looked pretty good. It could just be a matter of it time. It could be. I'm just saying it's going to be so hard for so. Croatia to I, get around this midfield. It is. It, nothing against Modric and Rakitic. They're good, but, but they're Con- just... Conte, Matuidi, and Pogba are all-day players. They have such good endurance. They're fast. they strong tacklers. It's really going to come down to their wide guys. That said, Perisic has been fantastic hey, this tournament. Perisic. If, if, I know he's been a Man United target for a while with good reason. Um... I, th- I think people who didn't know him as well see it now, but he's had a career that's kind of gone under the radar. Wolfsburg, now Inter Milan, but he's such a talented two-footed winger. Other side, Rebic has kind of, kind of also quietly just Rebic has put in, put some, in good some really good shifts. And Mandzukic, the biggest thing for me is how much of he's going to be able to just make life miserable for him. TT and Varane, I could, I, I, it's not that I think he's had a lot of goals against those two, but he's going to make it tough. I could see like someone like Umtiti who seems to get frustrated pretty easily, because huh. I mean, Manzuka. You, you mean Paul Umtiti? Paul Umtiti. Call him Paul Umtiti. Uh, Samuel Umtiti. That poor guy. I could see someone getting frustrated with Manzukic and how he plays and just kind of hacking him, giving away cheap free kicks. That's going to be the game plan for Croatia. They're going to get a cheap free kick. Get, a, get make it an ugly game. I mean, the, it's, as sad as it may sound to slow the game down, they might be look. They they might be all for it. Yeah, just make the game theirs. They that's Croatia though. They want to hold. They want to hold the ball, and France have shown that they are willing to kind of absorb and wait for their moment and then go direct. So it, it's not the worst matchup in the world for Croatia, all things considered. They want to hold the ball. Anything can happen. That's that. That's kind of what I keep going back to is this idea that 
the 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 forces on Croatia, you know, like a Perisic, who we've talked about, has been phenomenal during this tournament. Rak- you know, Modric and Rakitic at any moment can produce something individually brilliant, and in a final, that's all it really takes. If you can get a solid enough performance from, say, your back line, you know, I know Versalico's injured, and I imagine if had they lost that last game, he probably wouldn't have played in it. But now that he's in a final, I imagine he'll be, you know, kind of dragging himself to it. He he, he seemed all right. In he, that, seems, uh, he seems he seems all right. So I, he'll probably be there. Strinich was the bigger problem, I think, that he uh, the left back kind of seemed like he picked up an injury in that game. Yeah, so that would be interesting if he can't go. And we'll see what Lovren and Vita really have because of those those are two guys who have had a good tournament, very good. Vita really been uh, Lovren quietly being very strong as well, but again, they're gonna have to do it against this French team. I I. Vita's pretty quick, but Lavra, I don't know if he can keep up with Griezmann and Mbappe. It's true. So we will we will see. It's a World Cup final. It's the most watched sporting event every four years. Over a billion people watched the last one, I do believe. So I'm excited. Yeah. Um, I, I see this way going two ways. It's either going to be a France blowout or it's going to be a really even game. And I don't think it's going to be a France blowout, judging by how, I think, how just tentative it's going to be. Nobody's going to concede. French isn't going to want to go out and start blowing them out because they know Croatia can nab one. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And so am I right to say that your pick is France for this? I just I just don't want to be that guy who picks France. I don't want to be the guy who puts Croatia in the grave, so I have to go with Croatia. Come You're on. You're going with Croatia. The Croats got to pull it out. I respect that. Uh, I do, but I'm, I'm taking France. I just I can't see it any other way. They've been too good this tournament. It's once they've gotten to the knockout stage, they've looked pretty dominant in any of their victories. They, you know, things could have gone different here. There, the Argentina had a chance at the very end. Uruguay never really looked like scoring. Belgium, it was just that set piece goal that kind of set them apart. If France pull out another like corner kick goal and take the lead, it's gonna be so heartbreaking. Hard. It's it that and that's what gives France such an advantage here is that they do have that ability. I don't think Croatia, if they get a lead yeah, off of no. something like that, are gonna be able to withstand. It's just, it. it's just gonna be a barrage from France. Suddenly France is gonna open up and you're gonna and they're gonna and once they open up, if they get one, they might get another and another. So that might be the biggest problem for Croatia. Don't score too early because you don't wanna have <laughs> the classic let France you don't get, wanna score too early. You want France to kinda of sit back and say, Ooh, we're kinda of scared of you. We wanna sit back like they did against Belgium. Yeah. Any any uh, predictions for the third place game tomorrow? Third place game. Um, I feel bad for leaving it out. Yeah, we, we've basically predicted every other game in this tournament. Why not that one? Um, I think I think England's going to want this. I think they're going to want to say we finished third in this game. I don't think Belgium cares. Well, maybe Belgium does. Belgium has would be their best finish ever, right? Third place. I believe so. If not, they may have. Didn't they finish third place before, or did they finished fourth? It's possible they finish in yeah. third. Both teams might go out and say, you know what? Yeah, Could have been worse. Third place finish. That's not a bad thing to put on your resume, all things considered. I was wrong, by the way. Uh, I am apparently misremembering that 2006 final. There were goals in regular time. So a goal in regular time for this final would be the first since Marco Materazzi scored for Italy in the 19th minute. Who is also the man who received the headbutt from Zinedine Zidane. Yep. And Zidane actually scored the other goal in the game in the seventh minute. So How fitting is that? So since then, we have not ever had a goal in regulation. At the and we've had, we've had two goals that are pretty similar. It was a you know, ball into the box, chest down. Uh, by uh, a talented little midfielder who little <laughs> in the S N Gutsa, <laughs> talented guys, not not physical players, talented guys who take it down and hit a volley in the box. If that happens this time, who is it? 
if it happens in this it happens game, extra again. Time, you're, so if somebody's gonna have an extra time goal in this so game, they chest it down off the in the box and volley it in. Who's it gonna be this time? Uh, Which little guy is it gonna be guy, carrying it's it? Gonna be a it's gotta be a little guy. guy. It can't be a big guy. Uh, Sorry, Giroud. Give me a minute. Who do you think it would be? That's gotta be Modric. <laughs> it's gotta be Modric. Oh, maybe so Kovacic. Oh, but I was thinking sub. You're right. I guess it can be anybody, right? Conte. Oh, Conte. Can you imagine? I tell you what. N'Golo Conte has a real shout for being player of the tournament. He will most likely not get it short of him scoring a game-winning goal. N'Golo Conte absolutely deserves to be in consideration if, for player of the tournament. So I think it, sometimes it determines by who wins it. France wins it. Who's going to be pl- your player of the tournament? I got to tell you what. I actually, I'm going to go ahead. I'm, I'm going to say it. I, uh, go ahead. Uh, I want to say Conte so bad, but I, Mbappe has been so, so good. For Mo- he wasn't great against. Uh, I will say he wasn't great against Belgium, but he was there and he was still pretty dangerous. My personal pick, I guess, I, I'm gonna be a bit of a homer. I gotta give it to Conte. That man is everywhere. Even a, a neutral who would probably a neutral, uh, a, you know, a, a casual fan who would probably doesn't watch a lot of soccer would probably say, "Who's that little guy constantly winning the ball back? He's everywhere. There's like ten of them on the field. How is he getting it off that big guy? He just runs right through their legs. How strong? Is, how, what is that guy bench? Right? I mean. I think it's Griezmann. I see. I thought he's been such Griezmann a focal point of the attack. It's usually an attacker. I <laughs> know Conte's been so important, but if if France wins, it's got to be Griezmann for me. That's, he, that's he, fair. He's the center of that attack. That's a fair. That's a fair shout too. Um, I think any of those three would deserve it. Or do you, you not think Mbappe? You wouldn't. You wouldn't be too upset. I think with any of those, maybe Mbappe. I think would be a little bit of a stretch unless he scores. Well, in this I was going to say if he has a great final. That's the other thing too is we don't know how the final's going to go, right? You know, if if Griezmann say let's Griezmann scores a hat trick, I think it's unanimous for Griezmann at that point. If it's an 120 minute game where Conte scores the game winner, I think you got to give it to him at that point. I, I mean, if Pogba scores a hat trick, I don't think he gets it. Yeah, that's true. I, I'm not saying that. Like, I, the, like it's got to be someone in contention. Like, let's not like Lucas Hernandez scores a header in the 80th minute. Like, that's not that's not going to happen. But. He's not going to be man. Uh, so, so there's that, and I mean, if Croatia win, Luka Modric, I think, has it on lock. Short yeah. of short of Mandzukic doing something crazy, like has scoring a hat trick or something like that, I would think Modric has to win it no matter what. Or I would put Perisic in that argument. Perisic with, could be. With, you're right. Perisic probably over Mandzukic. Yeah. I think Rakitic has quietly been very solid, but I don't think he's going to get a shout. It's it's got to be one of those guys. If if Mandzukic has himself a hell of a game, Perisic should get man of the match last game. I have to think that if you get man of the match in the final and the semifinal, it's a decent shout. Yeah. But hey. Some, it's not always a, the team who wins it who gets player of the tournament, but I'd assume it has to at least be one of the last four teams. You would think so. And I don't and think there's been any dominant player from those last four who've out, outwardly deserved it. More how, if if um, if Belgium had made it to the final and lost, I think Hazard probably would have been a, a, shout. a shout for a team that could lose and still have their player win tournament, player of the tournament. Yeah. So that's, that's basically it. Um, the World Cup's almost over. Hard to believe that... Back on June 14th when we started this thing, basically previewed every group, went through then, you know, every every match day through the groups, now every round of the knockout stage, and we're here. You know, so... Things fly by. Uh, if you're listening at this point, t- tell us your thoughts. Yeah. Tell us where you thought we were dumb up to the point, t- rubbing our faces, saying, oh, Croatia wouldn't get this far, France would implode. So you true. can rub it in my face, I want to hear it. Hashtag dumb takes exposed. Um, send us questions. Uh, Concerns. Tell, tell us what you know about our World Cup coverage, because after this... 
We will be back to the greatest league in the world, <laughs> oh Major gosh. League Soccer. It's true. Where it's we true. have missed a decent amount of play so far. It, it, yeah, it's true. And, I mean, uh, Wayne Rooney's debut tomorrow at Audi Field. That, sh- uh, that rumor, I should say. Rumor is that Wayne Rooney will be in the squad for the game tomorrow. I have to assume that that's, you know, your biggest player ever, plus the biggest, you know, real of your stadium. It's going to be a big turnout for them. Should be a big them. one. Uh, Ronaldo went to Juve. I don't know that we talked about that. Yeah, but that's not, that's that's, not that's, a that's, I mean, it's that, crazy, right? That, how, how the world has... Buffon to PSG. Buffon to PSG. But, I mean, you know, LAFC has been lighting things up. We did have our second ever American Soccer Show Cup. That did not go well again. It was absolutely a what shocker a game, of a game. <laughs> it was a crazy game. I'll give him that. got to uh, think that game probably should have been 0-0 given the defending. Yeah. Uh, um, 4-3 in the end to the Philadelphia Union, so congratulations on that. But if the Union and the Fire both win their Open Cup games, which is also going to happen this the week. The most important ever. American Soccer Show Cup in the U.S. Open so Cup. So the, the first two will be wiped clean. This will be the one that's the most important. <laughs> Last Win wins, right? It'd be a semifinal. Yeah, it would be a semifinal. So be one of the t- one of the two teams would be, be in the final. If that and happens. and I mean, look in terms of uh, let me say something really quickly. The UEFA Super Cup is August fifteenth, and the Community Shield for this season, you know, the the good old FA Super Cup that's not called the FA Super Cup, is August fifth. We're on. less than a month away, people. Where there's there's very little breaks in this sport. Um, we have like two weeks here, and that's it. So yeah, so we'll be doing. Uh, getting some, you know, we'll give, a, give Europe a nice break uh, as we get into back into all American, and I think when this European season starts up, that's also going to get uh, some more time. But it'll be interesting when there's no more American soccer in the winter. We'll have to see what happens. Will this podcast survive into the winter? Can we make it to one year? Send us your thoughts. Text <laughs> yes or no to five 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 three zero four. It's not a real number. Don't text it. <laughs> I mean, you can. I, I don't know what's going to happen. Someone will get them. That's that's. All right. Well, I, I think uh, I think we can I think we can go. All right. So it, we can stick under an hour for once. Uh, enjoy the World Cup final and third place game this weekend. We'll be back on Monday. Be back on Monday to recap the entire tournament uh, for the American Soccer Show. I'm Emmett McConnell next to Eric Alcantar signing off.